fuck is up, world? Biali, Tlaltik Pak. We back in this bitch. Another podcast for that ass. Another grito. Sea dicho. Coming about a week's time since the previous episode. We'll call that even further continued progress. You know what I'm saying? I'm just happy to be back podcasting on the regular, homie. The semester just started last week, right? So I'm anticipating it's about to get hectic anytime soon. But in the meantime, I gotta stay grinding, stay committed. You know what I mean? Manifest and fulfill the purpose that you've been put on this bitch for. The slippery earth known as Tlaltik Bak 4. You know what I mean? And part of that, of course, includes what's educating, homie, right? And uh, part of that includes fucking trying to drop my little bit of knowledge that I got through the podcast. So I'm gonna fucking make it a concerted effort to not get swallowed up by the fucking semester and also try to drop this bitch consistently, right? I'm trying to do it every Sunday, dog. So if you're actually listening to it on Sunday, I appreciate the fuck out of you. You know what I'm saying? If you're listening to it at all, period, honestly, I appreciate the fuck out of you. But if you listen to it on the day that I drop it, like, damn, that's that's some love right there. You know what I mean? But uh, I'm trying to make it so in the sense that uh, I just make it consistently, right? Consistently on Sunday, something to, something to look forward to, if you will, right? Something for me to look forward to, definitely making this bitch, but um, also something hopefully for you to look forward to. Like, oh, let's see what motherfucking Ice Nice is gonna drop this week, you know what I'm saying? Let's see what this motherfucker's got to grito about for this week. And um, the answer is limited hangouts, dog. And before I get into the whole, and the whole shit about limited hangouts, I don't know if you can hear the oldies in the background, right? It's Sunday, homie. You know what we do? It's fucking oldie Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Uh, before I get into the uh, limited hangouts, just take a quick second for some formalities out the way. If you haven't already, follow your boy, OG underscore Ice Nice 13 on the gram. And now on YouTube too. I got my username on YouTube. I don't even know how you could do that shit, right? So it's OG underscore Ice Nice 13 on YouTube as well. Shout out to you YouTube motherfuckers. Shout out to you Instagram motherfuckers. Shout out to those of y'all who don't listen on fucking, who don't follow along on Instagram or YouTube, but are listening to the podcast app. Shout out to you too, right? Um, so yeah, dog, let's just get into it. It's just some shit that's been fucking like this idea that's been swirling through my head this last week, okay? And honestly, it's it's a lot to do with the follow-up on some of the insights that was dropped up on boy, Terrence McKenna. Hopefully you all, you know, found some some of the information on the on the McKenna podcast useful. I know a few of you reached out and said, yo, I'm, I've never even heard of this motherfucker. I'm about to go to T-Mac. Down, I'm about to go down the T-Mac rabbit hole. I hope you've had a good ride, homie. I hope you had a good run doing that shit. You know what I mean? I hope that it's brought you much joy and happiness as much as it brought me when I was first introduced to that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? And uh, if it wasn't your deal, that's cool too, man. Hopefully, you know, I'll, kinda, I'll try to keep introducing different motherfuckers and maybe you'll find one along your way. Or maybe even you'll send some my way and uh, I'll go ahead and try to, you know, catch up and get interested in the shit you're interested in too. You know what I'm saying? It's a two-way street, homeboy. This doesn't just flow one way. And yeah, the basic point about, well, I mean, this is like a whole ass topic from Terrence McKenna. And I'm, this is not a Terrence McKenna podcast. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just going to quickly summarize it. And um, it's about his ideas on culture, dog. And basically what he's telling us is that culture, it's manufactured. Like we know this, it's, you know, manufactured culture is manufactured. But uh, what he's trying to tell us is it's not just modern culture, it's culture, like human culture in general. And that how ultimately culture is not our friend. Those are his words, you know what I mean? And uh, it's not real. It's not our friend. Like it's using, it's what I've talked about in the past, dog. You know what I mean? Like about the whole fucking zombie parasite viruses and shit that infect our brains and use us as vehicles in order to fucking, uh, you know, continue living on. That's basically the idea that Terrence McKenna is talking about. And what he's saying, again, this is just a quick summation, 
is that what's real is this right here. You here right now listening to this podcast, me making this podcast, your hopes, your dreams, your desires, your art that you create, right? All that. That's what's real. Culture is fucking secondary to all of that. You know what I mean? And um, that was something that I've been thinking about lately a lot with limited hangouts, dog. So I'll get into the whole idea of limited hangouts here shortly. I'll get deeper into it. But the basic idea is that it's a fucking propaganda technique, okay? And it's utilized mostly by governments, but also corporations too, where they try to control the narrative by releasing certain amount of information and certain agents that they choose to release that information in order for them to be able to control the narrative, okay? And uh, what basically, you know, how this podcast came to be is just realizing how many of these agents, okay, are among us at any given moment right now currently but probably the most famous one right now is andrew tate dog andrew tate is one of these motherfuckers you know what i mean and i'm gonna get deeper into how i know this just looking forward it's his it's his dad okay um it's gonna have like a whole fucking i'll have a whole story here shortly about motherfucking celebrities with parents who have fucking wikipedia pages and i'm not even talking about parents who are you know fucking children of celebrities because obviously celebrities will have a fucking wikipedia page but I'm talking about parents who are like in the fucking United States government, dog. If you are a fucking employee of the United States government and you have a Wikipedia page, that means you've done some fucking shit, dog. Okay. And if you're a child of one of these parents and you yourself have the fucking Wikipedia page, it immediately causes me to fucking raise an eyebrow and be like, okay, what's going on with this motherfucker over here? Such as the case with Andrew Tate. And it's not just him, dog. Okay. I'm just using him because he's the most recent one that comes to mind. But I'm about to go down a whole list of motherfuckers here shortly, right? Um, but before I get into all that, the way I wanted to situate it was, of all things, through gangster rap. I'm po- po- pointing in the back towards Tupac mainly, right? Because Biggie wasn't... I mean, he was kind of like the gangster rap, right? It's Corpse Paint, Tupac back there. Uh, definitely, for sure, was the gangster rap. But um, probably one of the more... Dis- not disheartening, okay? But like uh, one of the more I'm grown up moments is when I came to the... When I just came to the acceptance that Tupac was about that life, but he really wasn't, okay? And what I mean by that is that, yes, he grew up in the hood. Yes, he lived through that fucking life. You know what I mean? And yes, he fucking acted out in accordance. But at the end of the day, he was an actor. There's no doubt about it, okay? And this is something that a lot of people have accused him of. And as much, you know, as still to this day, like as hard as I write for Pac and as deeply as I believe that he really was the voice of the generation... There's no fucking denying the fact that he was an actor. You know what I mean? Drake, someone, yeah, you can't compare Drake to Tupac, okay? But the, the 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 similarities of being an actor that's put forth to fucking advance agendas. You know what I mean? Something I'm gonna talk about here in depth, uh, further. But um, the reason why I focus on the Tupac example is because my first, I guess, introduction to limited hangouts indirectly because it wasn't directly a limited hangout. So it was a little bit indirectly because it kind of is, right? Because again, Tupac kind of an actor, right? But um, it was through gangster rap, dog. It was through gangster rap music, okay? Gangster rap made me do it, okay? (laughs) And uh, this really bothered me. It was a conspiracy theory. And basically what happened, quote unquote conspiracy theory. Basically what happened is that people, and this is, you know, something that wasn't even, this is something that people were saying while gangster rap was unfolding, but because of the inability to proliferate information back then as it is now, it wasn't really, you know, widely disseminated as it probably would have been here today. But, uh, you know, you have motherfuckers like, ah, oh, damn, Professor Griff from Public Enemies, the probably the most notable one, saying, like, even back then, this whole gangster rap shit is a fucking 
government psyop that's been designed to trap basically the black community for sure, but also the brown community because of how fucking, you know, how much inter interlap there is between them. And it's intended, it was intended to trap them in both not only the drug culture, but the prison culture as well. In order for the people who, you know, profit off of both of them to be able to use them uh, in order to generate revenue, basically. Right. So uh, the quote unquote conspiracy came when there was like an article that was released talking about how industry heads came together and they actively fucking planned for this very this very thing to happen. You know what I mean? In an effort to not only, again, try to, you know, proliferate drug use within the community and make money off of it because, you know, the United States government is the one bringing the drugs in, as we were told by Gary Webb and Freeway Ricky Ross, but also in order to profit off the for-profit prison systems when they fucking made mandatory minimum sentencing and shit for crack cocaine. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, dog, again, this shit really bothered me, dog, for two reasons. And the first of which being is that, you know, Obviously, hip-hop, gangster rap in general, has had an enormous impact in my life, dog, right? I mean, just hood philosophy. It's fucking, I grew up in the middle 80s uh, and all through the 90s, you know what I mean? That, that was the culture here in central northeast El Paso, Texas. And um, the second reason, so it's like my, my identity, literally my identity, you know what I mean? And the second example, it's the very thing that I've based my entire life work on, honestly, and that is that we, the idea that we don't need outside quote-unquote experts speaking for us when we ourselves are more than capable of doing so. You know what I mean? So when it comes to this gangster rap, I held I held firmly, dog, to the belief that, you know, motherfuckers like Dr. Dre and Ice Cube, that they were quote-unquote organic intellectuals, okay? Or the way I like to call them, hood philosophers who were relaying their experience of growing up in the hood and that through hard work, they managed to rise to the top of the rap game and put their entire culture on display in the process in a way that would, you know, hopefully bring about a positive change to their community. And um, you, you could see this, by the way, before I even get into this, let me explain quickly what a fucking organic intellectual is, according to the gentleman who coined the term, which is Antonio Gramsci. In case you're unfamiliar, Antonio Gramsci, he was an Italian Marxist and philosopher and politician even who fucking got locked up. And uh, he wrote this fucking great work. Damn, what the fuck is the name of the work? Let me look it up real quick. Give me one second. The Prison Notebooks. <laughs> I don't know how that fucking blanked, right? I had a whole fucking podcast titled The Prison Notebooks. You could look it up in the fucking library. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, so this is where he coins the term organic intellectuals. And what he's telling us is that an organic intellectual, the term itself... It refers to individuals who come from the same social class as the group they are trying to mobilize or represent and who use their knowledge and skills to raise political consciousness and promote social change within the class, within that particular class. So just like a really fancy fucking way of saying like someone from that's fucking from where you're from, dog, that's trying to fucking mobilize people like you and I, you know what I mean, to fucking political action and raise our political consciousness, right? He tells us that these organic intellectuals, they're often contrasted with, quote unquote, traditional intellectuals, which was what I would have become, okay, if I would have continued along my academic career, uh, these traditional, uh, traditional intellectual who comes from a more privileged class and may not have the same level of understanding or connections to the struggles and experiences of the working class, right? So simply, basically, a hood philosopher, which is honestly, even if I did get my fucking PhD, dog, I would have remained a fucking hood philosopher because despite 
the fact that I would have, you know, been legitimized by an institutional learning facility of the highest order, they would never have been able to take away my fucking, my background. Like, it, it's just, it would not have been possible. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, dog, like, when it comes to this fucking NWA shit, for the longest time, I held a firm belief that, nah, man, these are fucking organic intellectuals and they deserve the respect as such. They have fucking managed to pull their fucking entire fucking culture and put it on their shoulders, dog, and bring it to the fucking national consciousness, national awareness, right? In such a way where you had them fucking uh, walking down the fucking White House, dog. You know what I mean? What was that famous game line? You had Eazy-E dripping Jerry Curl on Ronald Reagan's shoes. You know what I mean? Like, this is how fucking profound they were, at least in my mind initially, that they were able to... Uh, rise up to such fucking levels coming from basically nothing you know what i mean and uh for those of you who are familiar with nwa like while a lot of the initial nwa music certainly does appear to aim to this goal about you know elevating the black community and raising the fucking critical consciousness essentially ultimately what it ended up doing whether again you can make this decision on you can make this decision on your own right whether it was fucking on purpose or just as a fucking, as a side effect, I, I don't know, okay? But it is no fucking question that what did end up happening is that it promoted instead the gang, drug, and prison lifestyle that absolutely decimated our communities, dog. Definitely the brown community, for sure. You know what I mean? This is why the majority of the fucking prison population, it's one of the reasons why. Let me fucking be very careful with what I'm about to say. It's one of the reasons why the fucking prison population is, is fucking predominantly black and brown people, despite the fact that we make up, you know, a, a smaller majority of the fucking population. So, you know, yeah, this is this is a pretty tough pill to swallow, dog, because, again, there is no hood philosophy without gangster rap on the one hand. You know what I mean? And <laughs> on the other hand, it fucking pains me to think that I'm nothing more than a Muppet that was fucking utilized by a bunch of fucking fat cats up in you know some record label suite that are trying to think of ways to maximize profits not on all ends dog not even just through fucking music anymore but again through the drug uh drug proliferation through prison culture etc you know what i mean which is why i held on to the belief for so long in my life that you know the way that this gangster rap became so common in pop culture was because of fucking just hard work and determination dog. you know a natural phenomena that emerged organically and in response to the fucking cultural and socioeconomic pressures that are faced with peoples around the world in a similar situation as the one that I grew up in. You know what I'm saying? And the fact is, again, that it may very well have been artificially created by people who were just using culture as a weapon to, you know, advance their own monetary interests. Pretty painful, Doc, to think. You know what I mean? Because a lot of pain, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of real fucking suffering that came as an end result of a decision like that that was brought about by our fellow humans you know what i mean i say fellow humans dog but it's these are the motherfuckers like when i jokingly say the reptilians that's what i'm thinking about dog these you know these motherfuckers who they operate from a very base level emotional response when it comes to considering the fucking needs of other individuals for them they're thinking only about it's you know the typical you either the line of the lunch mentality and for them, it's, well, these people are just fucking, they're nothing. They're pissants. They're fucking peons. They're the fucking lunch. I'm the lion. And even if this means that I'm going to, I'm going to create a culture that benefits off this fact, 
even if it means that families are going to be separated because of drug abuse, prison, gang culture, etc. You know what I mean? And that's a very low level, that's very low vibing, low vibrating frequency to operate on where you're willing to put, you know, your own financial interests above, again, the very real world suffering of your fellow human being, which is why I say they're not fucking humans, dog. They're fucking lizard people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because the same way that a fucking lizard operate, I think like a fucking Komodo dragon here that only operates on terms of, you know, that it's not cold, it's not cruel, it's not un- in compassion. You, uh, uncompassionate, you know what I mean? It's just it's just doing what a Komodo dragon does. And it doesn't matter if it's a fucking, uh, an infant or an elderly or anything in between. It's going to do it because that's how it survives. You know what I mean? It doesn't operate, it doesn't think about empathy, compassion, etc. Right? For better or for worse. So, again, that's kind of the whole vibe when I get one of this, this fucking, these record label execs, dog, who again, they fucking come up with this idea to proliferate gangster rap music in order to populate or in order to profit off of the brown and black communities, basically, right? And uh, beyond that, beyond that, it's not even not even the record label industries no more, dog. But it be also becomes the government. It was you know the further along this after this, you know, people started digging deeper into this shit. They realized like, oh damn, surprise, surprise! But the United States government itself had a hand in this. You know what I mean? And basically, the hand is of controlled opposition. And uh, so, you know, just a quick definition of controlled opposition. It's, again, when governments or organizations or just powerful entities in general, they will infiltrate and establish groups or individuals who claim to be acting in opposition to the mainstream. But in reality, they're working to achieve the goals of the controlling entity. You know what I mean? Which is where you, in this particular instance, you get motherfuckers like Dr. Dre and Ice Cube, who, again, they might have grown up in South Central LA, but they come from fucking stable homes. You know what I mean? They were artists, bro, like Tupac. And the idea, there's a reason why fucking, you know, Easy E, probably the only real motherfucking G among them, right, uh, would uh, uh, call them out as such in his song, Real Motherfucking G's. You know what I'm saying? He's like, you guys are actors. You're not fucking real. You're just faking the funk. Okay, and um, as far as how it relates to this particular example, it's that the government, the record labels, whatever it is, dog, they fucking create this illusion, right, of vigorous opposition. So NWA being in vigorous opposition to the fucking, you know, to the treatment of the black and brown community in the United States of America. But at the same time, they're ensuring that any real opposition is effectively neutralized or co-opted. Right. So realistically it's like were they really doing the community a favor the culture a favor dog by you know proliferating this, this gangster rap music or was it nothing more than controlled opposition because you know while they were advancing this message of what their life was like you know growing up in the hood basically it in a way also was used to discredit the genuine opposition that's associated with like actual, you know, opposition groups or individuals, actual organic scholars, you know what I mean? Intellectuals. And in this particular case, this is something for those of you who are like versed in hip hop culture, you'll know that it's like the nineties, the early nineties dog with gangster rap music. It really marked a radical shift from what hip hop was, you know, speaking on prior to that fucking generation, you know? And a lot of what they were fucking speaking on was they were speaking on the struggle, no doubt, like broken glass everywhere, people pissing on the corner and they just don't care. Like, yeah, they're, 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 they're relaying their lived experience. 
But the distinction was here that they weren't fucking glamorizing it in a way that, you know, the early 90s gangster rap was, where they were uh, glamorizing gang, you know, gang culture, drug culture, prison culture, etc. Okay. And uh, where this comes into play then with the controlled opposition and the fucking limited hangout ultimately is how, you know, it was basically created to neuter that message of fucking the initial or early message of hip hop culture, of positivity, of, of uplifting oneself and one's community, of fucking aiming for one's goals, which, you know, this is something NWA talked about when they in their earlier shit, dog. Express yourself, right? That's the whole, that's the whole gist of that song, dog. Okay, and uh, instead of by in, instead of focusing on that, then by focusing on the drug culture, what happens is that well, two things. First, it served to distract and neutral uh, neutralize young, urban, and primarily fucking minority communities. Right? Uh, it fucking neutralized them from engaging in the you know the, the collective uh, work necessary to raise the critical conscience of the community in a way that would serve as a genuine threat to the established order, right? So what this conspiracy theory, for instance, was telling us is that the theory is that by promoting a negative and criminalized image of young minorities through gangster rap, the people who created this whole fucking cultural phenomenon were able to divert attention away from the real systemic, social, and economic issues that were genuinely affecting those communities, right? And instead put it on fucking just this one fucking issue of gangster rap where, you know, now instead of people looking at the at the struggle and, and empathizing with them, they'll look at the gangster rap and be like, well, look at these motherfuckers, what they're doing. They're not helping themselves, for instance, on one hand. And on the other hand, you'll have people who instead of fucking going on to become the organic intellectuals that would recognize the actual fucking trap that we're living in and work to raise the critical consciousness of those among us to fucking a level where we could potentially bring it to an end, they get subsumed instead into the drug the drug and gang culture, the prison culture, and now they're no longer a threat because they're either addicted to drugs or they're spending their fucking life in prison because they were selling drugs to their own community, right? So that's what this fucking whole point of the, the controlled opposition and the limited hangout is. Now, to be fair, there's a lot of pushback to this idea, okay? And a lot of people say that, no, culture is not creative. It is a natural phenomenon. And perhaps what's most likely to happen is that, you know, they initially, they, I'm speaking here of NWA still, they may have initially, you know, started off as a fucking very positive, uplifting group, but were unfortunately fucking swept away by the image and the fucking fame. Maybe, Doug, maybe, Right. And people will also say, like, it's a conspiracy that the CIA was fucking trafficking drugs into the United States of America. I mean, first of all, it's already been proven through Gary Webb, and we'll talk about Gary Webb here shortly, as well as Freeway Ricky Ross. But even just by not even knowing about these motherfuckers, dog, all you got to know is just ask yourself, like, where are the closest opium fields? How the fuck are these drugs getting here? Okay, because there's no street level dealer that has the resources necessary to traffic that shit. You know what I mean? This We're talking about a lot of fucking money here, a lot of fucking... Uh, a, a, a lot of resources that are necessary to fucking not only fucking manufacture but traffic narcotics you know what I mean and there's no street level fucking thug some dude from the fucking hood that has the capital or the connections necessary to be able to fucking create large scale operations like those of Freeway Ricky Ross without the assistance of entities with both the fucking resources and the capital to do so like the United States government 
fuck? How are you going to fly that shit up here, dog? How are you going to get it through all the motherfuckers from here in Colombia that want a piece of that fucking action? You know, it's, it's a vast fucking network, dog. You know what I mean? And um, the, the point here being is like, they, they say it's a conspiracy. They say this whole, this whole thing is a conspiracy. But when you start looking a little bit deeper into it, you're like, damn, dog. It, it, it's very clearly that the that the fucking U.S. government was fucking you know trafficking drugs into the inner cities, and that they were using fucking hip hop culture, rap culture, gangster rap culture specifically to fucking proliferate proliferate the idea that this was something that's cool and that should be fucking embraced, and you know this is the way that life is for those of us who are in this community, right? And uh, again, this is something that fucking Gary Webb and Freeway Ricky Ross were trying to bring to our attention. Um, Gary Webb just, I mean, I was going to save it for later, but I'll just tell you now, right? He was this dude. He was, he was, right? He was found dead in his home. They ruled it an alleged suicide. Okay. He had two fucking bullet holes in the back of his head. So imagine how fucking good you got to be, how fucking gangster of a motherfucker you got to be to fucking survive the first gunshots to the back of your head and then still decide to yourself, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and put another one just for fucking, just for good measure. You know what I mean? But, uh, that was apparently the story when it came to Gary Webb. He was this journalist who works for the San, the San Jose Mercury, right? And uh, in 1996, he dropped a book that was called Dark, Al- uh, Dark Alliance, which that's what alleged that the United States, the CIA specifically, was distributing crack through the inner city, through a gentleman by the name of Freeway Ricky Ross, and that they were using that fucking money to both fund the anti-Sandinista rebels in Nicaragua, which I talked about a, a couple of podcasts ago, Right which was led by the CIA, as well as to fucking, you know, jumpstart basically the fucking uh, for-profit prison industry complex. Suffice to say, dog, uh, when I first learned about this fucking conspiracy, conspiracy, right? Uh, I was reluctant to believe it at first, but I slowly have come around to accept it as true, right? And it was a very bitter pill for me to swallow, yo, for, again, a few reasons. Again, first and foremost, gangster rap and chola culture as a whole, okay? have had such an enormous impact on my life. And to think that it was manufactured by some fucking marketing agency, dog, it's just <sighs> for no other reason than to it fucking advance the interests of the reptilians at fucking Illuminati headquarters, no less. Like, it's, it's very nauseating, dog, all right? I never met my dad, homie. And the reason why I never met my dad is because he was a fucking, he was a drug, he, he sold drugs first, and then he wound up getting addicted to heroin. And because of that, he spent most of his life in and out of prison. I don't even know if he's alive or dead right now. I really don't, right? Um, but because of that, I've never met him because he was either strung out on heroin or in prison. He was not there in any position, in any condition to raise a child. You know what I mean? So it's like to think that the reason why that happened, and again, it's not the only reason why. Like 99% of the reason why that happened is because my dad was a weak bitch straight the fuck up. You know what I mean? Who chose the comfort of fucking sedation. You know what I mean? And gang culture, the sedation that comes from uh, uh, gang culture and uh, drugs to the fucking responsibility of fucking being uh, a father for one, okay? But also just a fucking decent human being, dog. Like, yes, life is devastating for everyone. Life is difficult for everyone. But to choose to fucking, you know, escape that through drugs and gang culture as opposed to manning the fuck up, like, it's very cowardly in my eyes. I look, I look, I, I, I would never even want to meet my dad, dog, because I would never want his fucking weakness to somehow fucking rub off on me more than it already has through his fucking genetics. You know what I'm saying? But anyways, all of that is just a way of saying that it's very, it's very deep. Like this shit hurts. You know what I mean? It's nauseating. 
Uh, and to think that, again, it was just manufactured by some fucking suits in a marketing agency, dog. Ugh, just to fucking sell drugs and, you know, advance the prison, the, 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 the for-profit prison industry. Like, it, it really is fucking nauseating. And uh, the, the second reason why, dog, is because, you know, for, for me personally, it's devastating just to think of how many lives were lost or for, for sure irredeemably altered because of this culture. And to think that it was, you know, again, perpetuated by our very own government on us, no less. You know what I mean? That's it's sad as fuck. But at the same time, it's not really surprising. You know what I mean? Anyways, after this initial shock wore off, Doug, of accepting everything that I just talked about, I started to wonder if perhaps this was just a one off incident. You know what I mean? Like they just happened to. We know they hate us. I'm, it's not a surprise. We fucking, I've talked about this shit at length multiple times. Not surprising. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't be surprised if they, this was just a fucking, basically an operation designed to continue to fucking depopulate the black and brown communities. I would not have been the least bit surprised if I would have dug back in through the archives and seen that what they did in the early 80s and 90s was a fucking one-off incident. It would not have surprised me the least bit. Okay? But... Turns out, surprise, surprise, that it wasn't. And that basically, that the CIA, since the 1950s, has admittedly fucking, <laughs> they've admittedly been influencing popular culture through a program known as Operation Mockingbird. Now, what Operation Mockingbird was, basically, it's the CIA takeover of Hollywood, okay? So the CIA literally telling us, point blank, that yes, we are influencing culture, Right? And uh, beyond just influencing culture, it was created to spread propaganda, right? And uh, according to the reports about, you know, the limited, the limited reports available on this project, uh, the CIA specifically recruited journalists to covertly promote and disseminate information that was favorable to the agency and the government. So, you know, it starts off with just a couple of articles in the newspaper that are advocating for why, you know, we should go to war why the United States and the CIA are the good guys, etc. And it ultimately snowballs into fucking films such as, you know, Top Gun, that is nothing more basically than a fucking two-hour tribute to the military-industrial complex. <laughs> That's basically how it ends. That's how basically how it goes. You know what I'm saying? And uh, as far as this project uh, Operation Mockingbird, basically it was allegedly used to, you know, influence domestic and foreign media in order specifically to shape the public opinion during the Cold War. So it's, you know, it started in the 50s, but it's been used basically ever since. They say it's not used anymore, but come on, man. You know what I mean? You got to be dumb to really believe these motherfuckers. Anyways, uh, the existence of Project Mockingbird, it was, again, it was first revealed, it started in the 50s, but it wasn't revealed until the 70s during the church committee investigation into the illegal activities of intelligence agencies like Surprise, surprise, these motherfuckers that operate above the law find themselves to be above the law. You know what I mean? And the CIA, of course, you know, they've denied the existence of such a program. And they say that the reports, you know, that they've never been substantiated with concrete evidence. But again, this is this is part of the problem between an organic intellectual and a fucking traditional intellectual. Because a traditional intellectual will look and say, well, we don't have any information on this, so we can't really fucking... We can't really take it, uh, you know, we really can't take it seriously. 
To which an organic intellectual will say, I have all the information, but you just consider it anecdotal. The information that I have is based off my experience with this shit. And I'm telling you that just because it's not written in some fucking peer-reviewed paper that's published in the fucking institutions that are owned by the United States government detailing the crimes of the United States government doesn't mean that it's not fucking in existence. You know what I mean? So that's the whole, that's basically the whole point that I'm trying to get to ultimately at the end with the fucking, the whole limited hangout, right? But for now, like it, it is fair to, to note that there are some people who argue like, yes, the, you know, this Operation Mockingbird was used, but we over-exaggerate, exaggerate, they say, the scope and extent of the alleged fucking operation, right? And, you know, again, to their credit, uh, to their credit, they note that while the CIA is prohibited by law from engaging in domestic intelligence op- activities, it is not illegal for the agency to have relationships with journalists. You know what I mean? So it's like a very fucking wink, wink kind of way of saying, yeah, bitch, we're fucking directly influencing you, even if the law says that we can't because we operate above the law, right? And it's not uncommon for government officials, they say, to provide background information or off the record quotes to reporters. So, you know, again, just do with that information what you may, right? For our purposes, for this particular episode, it brings us to perhaps what, you know, I would like maybe say the first psyop of our modern era, but it certainly, you know, <laughs> certainly was the first that was advanced by Operation Mockingbird, and that is the sex, drugs, and the rock and roll of the real fucking 60s, dog. I don't know. I don't even know what the first psyop of our gender, of the, of the modern era would be. I don't know what came first, the hippie movement or fucking JFK. Either way, one of those, is they're, they're very close to being number one, right? I guess you can go back to a PSYOP. I mean, like, through modern, like, through the modern lens is what I'm saying. Because PSYOPs are fucking as old as humanity. You know what I mean? But I'm talking about, like, in our modern era, what the first PSYOP is. Anyways, that's a tangent. For now, as I was doing my research into thinking, like, trying to see if it was a one-off incident where the United States government introduced drug culture to destabilize the fucking movement, it wasn't just, it didn't start just in the 1990s, Doc. It goes all the way back to the 1960s. This is really fucking weird. You know what I mean? Because again, the 60s, I wasn't alive for the 60s, but from all the brainwashing I received off television as a child, I got the basic gist that it seemed to be an organic fucking event that occurred spontaneously in response to the fucking chicken hawk warmongering of the United States government. And while that may be true still to an extent, just in the same way that it may be true that, you know, gangster rap emerged organically and was only later co-opted when it was, you know, perceived to be a fucking goldmine, the same is potentially true for the 1960s, dog. But one thing is for absolute certainty, and that is, you know, that this fucking whole sex, drugs, and rock and roll movement of the, that is associated now with the hippies was actually a fucking targeted campaign by the United States government to undermine the pro of uh, the anti-war efforts rather of the United States military. Okay? That basically the military fucking, you know, they create the CIA, right? That they created or at the very cuz you know Albert Hoffman or yeah, something like that. I don't know, some fucking Swiss scientist created LSD, but the CIA fucking utilized it in such a way to, you know, proliferate it among the 60s community in order to get people less con- concentrated on the anti-war movement and more concentrated on the trip out hippie movement. You know what I mean? And of course, they did so in a way through a familiar playbook that we've already discussed. You get the kids addicted to the drugs 
and their mind off of revolution. Um, this particular conspiracy dog, and I'm not going to go too deep into them. Like right now, I'm just trying to introduce them, basically, right? And I'll maybe revisit them later, but there's so much information on this already out there that if you wanted to go catch it on your own, right, you'd be, you know what I mean? There's, there's plenty of rabbit holes for you to go down. But uh, this particular conspiracy is generally referred to as the Laurel Canyon Conspiracy. And basically what it's telling us is that there's a group of musicians, artists, and politicians who all lived around Laurel Canyon, right, in Southern California. It's in uh, Los Angeles specifically, in the 60s and 70s. And that they were part of a secret network that was involved in various nefarious activities, such as drug trafficking, mind control experiments, and even satanic rituals. Fucking, what's that dude? Charles Manson, dog. There's a whole ass book detailing how the fucking CIA basically trained him using LSD, how to use LSD on other people and fucking control them. You know what I mean? Like, this is, there's, there's plenty of evidence detailing this shit. And yet it's still considered a conspiracy somehow. Whatever the case, this particular theory suggests that these activities, again, were connected to the CIA and other fucking alphabet soup agencies. And that the whole purpose was, again, to control and manipulate the countercultural movements of the time. So fucking controlled opposition, dog. Limited fucking hangout, right? They provide the fucking celebrities and they use their celebrities to control the narrative for the rest of us. Probably, you know, there's a lot of them, dog. There's a lot of them. Okay. And it tells us that some of the more, the most famous musicians of the fucking, of that era, like the Beatles, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, one of them who just died recently, right? Um, Frank Zappa, this fucking, this straight edge dude who fucking lived in a house that was fucking in, inhabited by nothing but drug addicts, right? And perhaps most famously, the Grateful Dead. <laughs> they were all, the Grateful Dead is like, they got a whole cult of people who follow them just tripping acid. And what they were saying is that where they get the acid from, like where the fuck is acid coming from? And that a lot of people were accusing Jerry Garcia because Jerry Garcia's dad, surprise, surprise, was connected to the fucking intelligence community, right? Um, and yeah, dog, so that's what it's telling us is like the, all these motherfuckers in the sixties, they were part of a network and that their music and their lyrics, they were used as a form of mind control and propaganda. And <laughs> it sounds crazy at first, dog, but this theory, it's based on the idea that this counterculture movement of the sixties, uh, again, it wasn't this grassroots phenomenon, but rather like this very carefully orchestrated effort to control and manipulate the youth of 1960s America who perhaps organically on their own, right, were already in the process of fomenting this fucking social dis uh, 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 unrest that was aimed entirely at the fucking American war machine. And perhaps the most famous fucking example of how this started in the 60s uh, was through uh, one of the most iconic rock stars of all time and a childhood hero of mine, no less. So this one kind of hurt too, you know what I mean? And that's Jim fucking Morrison, dog. Jim Morrison, the Lizard King, right? <laughs> now that I think about it, that's kind of a weird-ass fucking name to, you know, to call yourself the Lizard King, given the fact that his fucking father was part of the Lizard people. You know what I mean? And um, his father, dog, was a very interesting dude. Jim Morrison's father. He was a fucking admiral in the United States Navy, bro. And um, what is perhaps most famous about his father is that he was the one that oversaw the Gulf of Tonkin invasion, the false flag, the Gulf of Tonkin. So again, I'm not going to get too deeply into it because there's whole ass fucking podcasts out there that detail just the Gulf of Tonkin, you know what I mean, the incident. But just simply put, it was a false flag that enabled the United States to escalate the presence, uh, their presence rather, in the Vietnam War. 
And the dude that oversaw that whole fucking operation was Jim Morrison's father, dog. So it's weird because, you know, you like to think at, at Jim Morrison, you're like, nah, man, people, you know, like, this is innocuous enough. People shoot to fame and stardom all the time with libraries worth of music, no less. And it's nothing outside the regular, right? When it comes to Jim Morrison. And it's like, maybe, or maybe the reason why he was pushed to the front of the fucking, uh, of the uh, of the collective Oculus was because of his connections in the intelligence community. And that the reason he had all that music already with him at the support of his band was because it was fucking created for them by the United States government, basically. You know what I mean? Like, that's also a possibility. By the way, this is this is the reason right here why I used Andrew Tate, because I don't know about you, dog, but me personally, it just seems like Andrew Tate came out of fucking nowhere. Like, that dude just appeared one day. You know what I mean? I get that he was a fucking, that he's a world champion kickboxer, but there's so many world champion kickboxers. How the fuck did this one just out, seemingly out of nowhere? The same with Jordan Peterson, dog. How do these people just come out of nowhere and then boom, they're pushed to the front of the fucking zeitgeist? There's... Hundreds of millions of people who are vying constantly, myself included, obviously, or I wouldn't be doing this for the position to be that those peoples are in, right? To, you know, varying extents. And it, it's a lot of work, dog. It's hard fucking work. You know what I mean? And there's nothing truly remarkable about what Andrew Tate is saying, what fucking Jordan Peterson are saying. They're saying, like, they're not, they're not creating any new message, something that's never been heard before. They're basically just mouth puppets who are repeating a bunch of old truisms. You know what I'm saying? So how is it that they were just fucking boom, just exploded out of nowhere? And, you know, you could you could attribute it to just good luck, you know what I mean? As well as perhaps, you know, hard work ethic. But in reality, it's more likely that they're just fucking controlled oppositions that are being fucking advanced in this limited hangout that is being created by the United States government in order to ensure that they are the ones that control the narrative. They provide the quote unquote opposition, Right to whatever it is that the United States government is doing, they provide us with the... I say quote-unquote opposition because you're not an opposition. If you're following fucking Jordan Peterson, you're not opposing anything. If you're following uh, Andrew Tate, you're not opposing anything. You know what I mean? You are falling right in line with what it is that the fucking... the people who, you know, create the limited hangout want, and that is their leaders. You are following their leaders in order so that they ensure that you don't fucking stray too far outside of the fucking... uh, uh, out of the established order and pose any sort of real threat. The same is true of Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? Like, I love Joe Rogan, dog. But um, he might not have started off this way, and his parents might not have the fucking the, the, the Wikipedia pages, but he's become that person where now he's controlled. It's controlled opposition in the sense that even if he doesn't realize it, he can't stray too far outside of the fucking established order, as was shown with the fucking fiasco where his show was, people were, you know, demanding that it be removed from Spotify. So now, even if it's at a subliminal level, there's something inside of his head that tells him that you can't talk about certain things out of risk of losing everything you have. So that's at the most, like, that's at the most being as generous as possible. The idea that the person that's being controlled is doing, is is unwittingly being controlled. But I'm not speaking to people who are being unwittingly controlled. I'm speaking to motherfuckers who know full well that they are the controlled opposition that has been advanced in this limited hangout that's been created by people who have a vested interest in maintaining their narrative, right? And that the best way of doing so is providing people who disagree with them their own fucking uh, opposition because that person is controlled and they can manipulate that person however they see fit and thus ensuring that they never pose any serious threat to the established order, right? Again, dog, the distinction between an organic intellectual, a hood philosopher, and a fucking traditional intellectual. Academia is so rigid. It's got such fucking... 
so many rules that you have to follow that they ensure that any sort of fucking genuine discourse that serves as a fucking, you know, critique against the order, against the institution, will never will never be filtered through. They could have like some critiques, right? But none such that are ever going to truly threaten the fucking the, the institution of academia because they that you got to play ball. You want the you want the tenured position. You got to publish the papers. But we're only going to publish the papers if they fucking say what it is that we agree with. And if they don't, we won't publish them. And then you will simply perish. You know what I mean? So it, it's along the same it's along the same lines here. Anyways, <laughs> circling back to Jim Morrison's fucking Paris doc. Basically, what they're saying is that. The best way to fucking determine, for me at least, for me now, it's become like, I'm start, I'm slowly starting to accept just how much of fucking culture is manufactured. You know what I mean? This was like even something I started realizing when it came to shit like identity politics, dog. For so long, my, you know, I've always prided myself in not fucking being concerned with popular culture. Typical elitist who fucking looks down on popular culture type shit, you know what I mean? And... um I would fucking scoff at the idea of people watching Sports Center, entertainment news, all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? But simultaneously, I was still fucking balls deep in this whole idea of the lack of representation in Hollywood, for instance. The lack of representation in fucking politics, which is perhaps a little bit more important still, but nonetheless, until I realized, first of all, on the one hand, it's pretty fucking pathetic for you to fucking want to be somewhere where people quite clearly don't want you to be. You know what I mean? Like, why are you, as a brown person, demanding that these white people let you into the shit that they created? Like, I don't know, man. Me personally, I've never wanted to be anywhere. People don't want me around. You know what I mean? And then to turn around and demand that people fucking allow you to be somewhere where you were never, ever wanted in the first place. That's kind of weird. You know what I mean? Um, but secondly, and most importantly, it's like, why are, Why was I out here fucking hashtagging shit back in the day? Like, uh, Oscar's so white. When, on the one hand... I did nothing more, but I did nothing but talk shit about people who fucking were so obsessed with, uh, you know, with popular culture. Like, that's popular culture, dog. Demanding representation, that's demanding representation into popular culture. Who gives a fuck about that kind of shit? You know what I mean? Anyways, the point that I'm trying to make is like, I started to realize, when, once I started to accept that this culture shit was a psyop, now I, I try to stay on my one-two in order to avoid it. You know what I mean? There's people that come up on my timeline and I look at them and I'll be like, Oh, that dude, he's an organic intellectual. You know what I mean? Like this motherfucker, she, they are fucking, they're grinding on their own. They're doing their thing. I respect that. You know what I mean? But then again, other times, motherfuckers just pop up out of nowhere. Like Andrew Tate, which is why I keep focusing on him for no other reason than that. Right? Um, And it's just like, where did this dude come from? Why is he being pushed to the front of the line? Okay? And why are they fucking fashioning him as an influencer and a quote unquote shaper of the culture? Where, Where is this coming from? You know what I mean? And it's not just him, dog. It's not just him. There's like a fucking list, long list of people, a long list of people who are pushed to the fucking, we're, like we just know of these people. For whatever reason, we just know of these motherfuckers, dog, right? And we we have, they have like these fucking elaborate backstories and they're, we're told that they're fucking somebody that we should look up to and fucking how they're prime examples of the American spirit and how they fucking pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and made fucking great things of themselves. You know what I mean? But then you look into him and you're like, oh, shit, you're the fucking son. You're the daughter of a fucking intelligence agency officer. What the fuck? Right? Like you have people like Jeff Bezos, dog, for instance, intelligence community. Elon Musk, fucking child of a billionaire fucking uh, a mine owner in South Africa. Right? Bill Gates, 
a fucking the son of people who ran fucking IBM Corporation and Planned Parenthood. Henry Rollins, fucking son of intelligence agencies of Black Flag, right? Dave Grohl's fucking grew up in the same community as Henry Rollins. Jim Morrison, who I just listed. Andrew Tate, his father in the fucking intelligence community. The bassist from Fallout Boy, his fucking cousin or something like that, is like a fucking, he's way high up there, dog, in the United Nations. He's like fucking homies with Colin Powell. You know what I mean? Courtney Love, the fucking, the lady who allegedly killed fucking Kurt Cobain. If you ever look into that story, you're like, damn, they gave this bitch fucking drugs to drug Kurt Cobain. And I'll get into that whole shit here shortly and into the whole 60s movement and all that kind of shit, right? And demonstrate how it's been repeated, the same cycle over and over again. Because, you know, these reptilians, they're lazy and they run the same playbook over and over again. Just a couple quick more names, though. Maynard James Keenan, dog of Tool. George Clooney. Um, fucking Lars Ulrich. Elvis, dog. John Lennon. And then, of course, fucking Jerry Garcia, like I said. These are not real people, dog. They might be talented people, but they're not fucking what they're, they're not what we're told that they are. They're fucking actors who have been on this global stage who have been picked. They've been picked from the families that are inside this big club, as George Collin refers to it, right? And they've been put forth to advance certain agendas in these limited hangouts, right? These limited hangouts being these fucking public relations strategy that, you know, where information that was previously hidden, it's revealed but only partially and selectively in order to prevent greater exposure of more embarrassing facts, right? This term was coined by the CIA in the 90s, in the 70s rather, um, and it was used to describe their tactic of releasing some information in order to prevent uh, other information from being exposed. So basically what they try to do with the whole juice thing, you know what I mean, that I can't say because it'll get flagged really quickly, where they said that we're not gonna release the information for another 70, 80 years. It's a limited hangout, dog. They created a limited hangout. And when they did release it, they only released a little bit. Like, here, shut the fuck up. Here's a couple of pages, right? Doesn't matter what's in them. You're not going to read it anyways. And the real shit that we don't want you to see, we're going to keep hitting because the little bit that we have released should be enough to keep you fucking placated until fucking, until sometime in the future, right? Anyways, dog. So these limited hangouts have basically what I'm saying been created. And it wasn't just in the 90s, but basically all through from the 60s up until now, dog to fucking A, proliferate drugs in order to monetize off of them, and B, also fucking undermine any sort of actual revolutionary movement that is occurring that serves as a genuine threat to the established order, right? Starts with the 60s and the hippies, dog. It goes to the fuck with LSD, right? Then it goes to the 70s with fucking cocaine and the disco movement. Then it goes to the 80s, dog, with the 80s and the 90s with fucking crack. And then, well, crack in the 80s for sure. But then in the 90s, dog, with the fucking heroin movement and the, and the grunge movement, right? The 80s also had uh, cocaine with, you know, the, the glam metal. Uh, but then they introduced heroin with the fucking, with the, with the grunge movement. And then it gets into the 2000s where we are now with this fucking still Oxycontin and shit with mumble rap. Like, it's being manufactured, bro, by the fucking United States government, by record label execs, for the express purpose of giving us this music, this popular culture music, for the express purpose of advancing these agendas again, so they could A, get us addicted to their drugs, fill up their prison populations, and B, undermine any sort of actual radical revolutionary actions that may undermine their fucking established order. And yeah. That's basically the fucking thought that I was fucking with for all of this week, dog. Again, just a quick little introduction. I intend to possibly get a little bit deeper into it. I'm reading the book right now, uh, Britain's Opium War, so it's obviously been affected, this podcast, by that. 
So maybe once I do finish it, and I'll be able to fucking piece together a little bit more fucking accurate, you know, uh, narrative of what's happening. But for this week, I just kind of want to throw that thought out there, maybe introduce you, because I myself just learned about a limited hangout. You know what I mean? And, you know, hopefully inspire within you some thoughts about how that shit works and, you know, take it from there. And yeah, with that said, this is as good a time as any to wrap this bitch up. I hope you enjoyed it. And if not, I'll try again better next time. Until then, I hope you have a great rest of your day and I'll see you next time. Peace.